truck 17 to come in. Go ahead, truck 17. Primary complete. Command topics, primary complete. What's up, folks? And welcome to another episode of Primary Complete. Before we kick off the show, do us a quick favor. Like and subscribe. At the end of the show, if you enjoyed it, leave a quick comment. These simple little things make our platform more visible to folks who are looking for the type of show that we produce. For all of you who are constantly interacting with us on social media, talking about the show in your firehouses and with your friends, we can't say thank you enough for helping us build this awesome community. If you haven't yet, check out the social media. Search Primary Complete Podcast on Insta, Facebook, TikTok. Give it a quick like. We also got a website. Feel free to check that out. www.primarycompletepodcast.com Thank you all once again. Enjoy the next episode and continue to help us make conversation great again. On the next episode, we got the man behind that video you just watched, Mr. Jake Levesque from North Las Vegas Fire Department. 26 years in the fire service, incredible human being. He is the PIO for North Las Vegas Fire Department as well as the social media coordinator. This is an incredible conversation. We've been saying it on the show. He agrees 100% that social media has to be used nowadays for fire departments to get the best bang for the buck out of recruitment. He goes into that in detail. Uh, in this episode, you're not going to want to miss it. Stick around. I guarantee you'll enjoy it. If you have a fire chief and you're a fire department who's having trouble with recruiting, you need to watch this episode. Okay, he, Jake goes into great detail about and even throws out numbers about what social media has done for the recruitment of North Las Vegas Fire Department, how it's drawing the younger generation into the fire service, and how it's just playing an intricate role in what it is they're doing for the fire department as well as what the fire department itself is actually doing for the public, how they're interacting with it, how they're doing their fire prevention. It's great stuff, one of a kind, revolutionary. Welcome to 2023, welcome to social media. Fire departments catch up, you gotta get on this bandwagon. This episode is always brought to you by Edward Teach Brewery, located in beautiful downtown Wilmington at 604 North Front Street. They got entertainment every single night of the week, live music Wednesday through Sunday, best beer in town greatest flavors they're coming out with something new like every month every week i don't know how often it seems like every time i get caught up with one they're pushing out a new flavor anyway you're gonna want to get down there if you're in wilmington visit the tap room where they got all the events going on or you can find them in different grocery stores i believe they're fixing to do some expansion if i'm understanding it correctly so check out your local grocery stores if you see that black edward teach can you're going to want to pick up a sixer of that and enjoy it at the house hope you all enjoy this episode We'll catch you on the next one. I saw your um, uh, companion in the back. Uh, what kind of dog is that? Uh, that's one of my one of two French bulldogs. Yeah, Frenchies. Nice. Stella Murphy's on the ground here. There's something wrong with that dog. He licks walls and stuff, and she's, <laughs> a, she's a butthead. But they, they should be good. <laughs> did you get, did you get that one that licks walls and applications to the fire department yet? Yeah, yeah <laughs> that right. seems like a primary criteria. We have a few of those, too. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. Uh, Jake, say your last name for me, because I will mess it up. I guarantee it. It's Levesque. The S is silent. Levesque. I messed it up. Yeah. Big time. I've Everyone does. <laughs> oh, man. So, North Las Vegas. So, how is that? Uh, how does that kind of put me on a map? Is what I'm thinking of Las Vegas, and then what that department is? Is it the actual strip? Is it you know what what is it that y'all cover no. there? So, when people think of Las Vegas, they think of the Las Vegas Valley. We're in a big bowl surrounded by mountains, but we actually have four different fire departments. We have Clark County, which is the incorporated Clark County. It's similar to having a sheriff's department, basically. Those guys will be in the yellow fire trucks. They handle mainly the strip in all the Clark County incorporated areas. And then you have the city of Las Vegas, which is kind of a, um, a bright red fire truck. And they'll handle everything outside the strip until you get to the north border, which is 
Karyav, but that's way too much info there. And that's a totally separate city called the city of North Las Vegas. And to the south of us, we have a city called Henderson, and they're a separate department as well. Uh, Henderson is a fire department that doesn't really play well with the other departments, whereas uh, Clark County, the city of Las Vegas, and North Las Vegas, we kind of all run up the same dispatch center. And the way we run our 911 calls is closest unit, so borders don't matter. What matters oh, is how close cool. is that unit to the call. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. How is that? Um, how is the shared responsibility uh, from the top with that? How does that work? Is it does that when district lines come into play? Is you know if it's you're closest to the call, but it's somebody else's, I guess department or somebody else's district. Does your do your folks, your battalion chiefs, or however y'all's organizational hierarchy is set up? Do they take command, or do you use the command of the neighboring department? Uh, whoever is on command first, and sometimes depending on the size of the incident, um, we'll have. That will say we're in North Las Vegas and the city of Las Vegas comes in. That battalion chief will jump out of his fire truck and just jump in with our battalion chief. Now we have two battalion chiefs on scene. That's so we awesome. play really nice together. We kind of try to get all the same equipment. So if we have to switch bottles out or anything, we're just good to go. <laughs> what a novel concept. Yeah. <laughs> right? so much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're on the way there. Like we're, we have made so many steps in that direction. Uh, we still, for some reason, uh, mix up the equipment it's like we can get so close and then uh it's like and then one right. person wants that one thing and you're like oh we got to go to this yeah 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 but overall we're definitely we've moved in a good direction um if you back up 10 years 12 years it's probably been a little bit longer than that now yeah, yeah but probably 15 yeah probably safe there was a lot of friction so uh i definitely understand that uh, uh playing well together it's it's nice you know, when it, it all comes together. Yeah, the reason I asked that, kind of the hierarchy and the command question, was because that seems to be where our disconnect is, is all the boys on the streets, we all get along great. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Our uh, The county that me and uh, Steve work for, New Hanover County, we have white fire trucks, and then the city folks, they are the city of Wilmington, they have red fire trucks, and we don't care. The white fire trucks and the red right. fire trucks, we all get along great. But it seems to be the upper echelon. They want to, know, they, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's the it's the command and who's in charge that that's where all the tiff starts. Yeah, I, I totally get it. We were always the black sheep of the valley because we were the smallest department. We still are the smallest department, but our area was always considered the bad area, gang violence and everything. Like nobody wanted to work for uh, North Las Vegas, and then slowly we have become actually and not just my opinion throughout the, the the country now people are saying that we've become the higher end of the fire departments in the valley and we thought that would create friction because we're kind of getting up there and the only time it's actually creating friction is in recruitment because now everyone wants to work for us which is great you know we've got a big pool to choose from before where in the past we didn't yeah, I think we'll get into that. I think there's some uh, pretty specific reasons for that. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we'll get into that. Um, right. So uh, just a quick little bit more about you, man. How long have you been on the job? So I have been on the job 26 years total, uh, 18 with the city of North Las Vegas. I started out as a fireman in the Air Force uh, for about seven years, and then I um, worked for um, – can't say the name, but I'll say it anyway. It's been a long time. Area 51 for three years as a fireman, <gasps> as a contract fireman. Nice. Uh, <laughs> you know what I say. If I tell you anything, I'm going to have to No. Yeah. <laughs> That's another podcast. Yeah. Or maybe right, this. a whole other yeah. podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then I, I actually took the North Las Vegas test uh, my first try, I think, because of the experience, the 10 years of experience I've had. Uh, I actually got picked up on my first try, which is kind of hard to do, but I'm one of the few, so it was good. Cool. So you started you started with North Las Vegas. Uh, I'm assuming you just started as a regular backstep guy, and then kind of progressed yep. on up to to where you yeah. were, to where you are just now. Just a firefighter. Yeah, and then um, I never I never jumped into the engineer or the captain's exam. Um, I started a um, video photography business back in 2016, and I was doing really well with that. That I just didn't have the time to study or promote or anything. And then when our PIO left, he retired about a year and a half ago with my background in video and, and um, photography, they're like, Jake, you got to take this job. And I got promoted into the public information officer's position. So 
That's great. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome, man. Pump the brakes on the PIO portion real quick. What's the yep. uh, what's the what's the family dynamic there? You can be married, got some kids, or are you flying solo? Uh, what you got going on? Uh, I am married. Been married twenty three years. Uh, when I was stationed in Germany for five years, I married myself a really beautiful German woman. Um, unfortunately, we tried our hardest to have kids. It didn't work out. Spent a lot of money. Uh, to, that's actually when I started my video photography business. It's like I needed an outlet. Sure. So that outlet came and me and my wife decided to start living for ourselves. And since 2016, we've been traveling all over the world, just doing what we want. And it's been nice, man. That's fantastic, dude. What a way to, what a way to, uh, have something bright come out of something not so bright. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. What, a good, what a great, and, uh, and we got the two Frenchies too. So I'm sure that's full-time kids for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when the one licks the walls all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That might be the title of the show, The One That Licks the Walls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool deal, man. Cool deal. So so you got the PIO position. Um what how was how was that presented? Was it just it's a new position that they created or is a, the PIO something that North Las Vegas has been doing for a while and then that person got out and you slid in or I, all this is coming to I'm, I'm building on what we're actually going to yeah. be meeting potatoes talking about. Obviously I'm just trying to get a little backstory for the, from the, from the fire department organization side of it. So we've always had a PIO position up until one of our PIOs retired. And at that point, the city did not want to fill that position anymore. So then I think we went about two years without it, but we realized the importance of it just to show ourselves out in the community. Um, one of our, firefighters who's just retired was on 30 years he's like we got to do something let's let's reintroduce it as something else so we reintroduced it as public outreach and he became the public outreach officer and over the two and a half years that he was in the position we kind of slid that pio name back in it and like what he did getting us out in the community all over again because when you lose that pio spot no one's advertising you anymore and you have to advertise what you're doing you really do um, and he just, he blew up. He just did a great job on it. And, and when he retired, the chief's like, we got to keep this going. Yeah, there was a, um, me and myself and Steve has discussed this, you know, back 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, you know, the whole community knew who the firefighters were mostly because they all lived within the community that they worked. Mm -hmm. But secondly, I mean, you had the kids playing in the fire hydrants. I mean, that was a thing, you know, summertime you went yeah. and cut the fire hydrants on. So you were constantly interacting with the public and, you know, it seems like we have withdrawn as, as an industry nationwide, possibly worldwide, but it's kind of like we, we have withdrawn back within ourselves and kind of uh, the coin phrase that we like to put on it is it's, it's kind of changed from public service to public perception, but not necessarily in a great way. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not, yeah. we're not getting out actually broadcasting and showing what it is that we do or what we are doing. We're just telling them about it in a less formal set or excuse me, a more formal setting. Whereas it right. used to be very informal. It was just, you go out and you, you just talk to people mm -hmm. and now it's, you know, it has to be suits, ties, class A's and a press conference in front of County commissioners or however that looks, you know, it just seems, it seems like we need to get back a little bit. And that's exactly what the PIO right before me, that was his thing because we were considered the black sheep of the Valley he always wanted to keep that little edge, that little grit that we had. And yeah. that's what he told me. He goes, if I leave you one thing, Jake, don't lose that grid. Yeah, don't lose that grit. We have to show people who we are. We're the last department in the Valley that hasn't gone corporate, per se. And we have people joining us because they're like, you guys train hard and you still have fun. Whereas all the other departments, uh, you know, they, they actually asked me, hey, come work for us. But we have to review everything that you post. We have to review everything. It's like, I can't, I can't work like that. We have to show what's real. I'm not, the suit and tie thing's not working. I wish I could show you guys our, uh, our graduation video that I made for the class two classes ago, because one of the recruits, I interviewed him in the video and he said, uh, he, we actually had Henderson fire in the audience. And he actually said, uh, I chose North Las Vegas because Henderson's all corporate and Nor mm. um, North Las Vegas is still a brotherhood. Yeah, like I was asking questions and they came down to Henderson's a corporation type of department and then North Las Vegas was like a family. And then I hear that, you know, they're a bunch of cowboys, they're gritty, they just want to work hard. 
and then your YouTube series for not the or like the checkups on the last academy and seeing the, their PT and kind of what they're getting into. So I think it was just like the grit and like the hard work and like brotherhood and family department was ultimately what let me chose here. So I think Dang. It, yeah, it was great. Hit hit. it was a little it was a little jab for the other department and everyone's like, <gasps> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that... keep it in there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no doubt. Is that video something you can email me later? You actually go on our um, uh, YouTube channel. Did you know we have a YouTube channel as well? I think so. Um, I'm not, I haven't, I, obviously your Instagram and stuff like that is what, you know, scrolls through my feed continuously. Cause mm-hmm. I think I've seen every video right. on there, but <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll shoot you over the YouTube link. Cause I, perfect. I, um, I'll get that. I'm sure. When we talk about recruiting, what I did on that YouTube channel literally changed the game. Perfect. 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 Yeah. Your recruiting efforts, like I want to apply and it's, when I watch the videos, I'm like, this place has got it going on. Like right. they're, they're hitting the street. It just it looks good. I'm I'm proud of the efforts. Uh, there's a lot to be that. learned. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's fun. Actually, we just um, in our academy right now, we have a guy from France, and in his interview because we do video interviews for the first interviews. Yeah. The first thing he said was, because of these videos, is why I'm applying for you. Man, that's a uh... That's such a testament. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Jeremy from National Fire Radio, the podcast big. It's the, probably the biggest one worldwide in our industry, uh, National Fire Radio. <clears throat> Jeremy's a super great guy. He's dedicated his life to basically the fire industry um, as far as, you know, news and whatnot, you know, just podcast, general conversation, stuff like that. But it's it's Matt. He is the Joe Rogan of the fire service niche, I okay. guess you could say. Um, yeah, he's a super swell guy and, and we were having a conversation with him not too terribly long ago, but we were talking about that, about recruitment and then how social media has now become such a big tool. And then he was like, yeah, you know, he's, he's got a huge presence online and he, you know, he's like, I see people doing it right. And I see people doing it wrong. And it's like, yeah, but if you're not, if you're not jumping on that train, good luck. I mean, you're, you're, you're not going to have anybody. And the old ways of recruiting, man, uh, we can get down this uh, rabbit hole of recruiting real quick. But the the old ways of recruiting recruiting here in North Carolina has always been uh, the 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 traditional lineage firefighter. So they the paid departments firefighters come from the rural volunteer departments whose dads grew up in it, and now they got the itch. And they know now that there's a way to make a career out of it, so they're applying. So you have some kids coming in with some sort of fire knowledge. They're not just regular, off the no idea people. Uh, so they have some of that. Well, that that pool's run, running out, if not just about completely ran dry in mm-hmm. North Carolina. And it seems like we're not doing anything about it. I know our little department is not doing anything about it. We went from we went from an application pool of <clears throat> 250 to 300 folks to two or three yeah in the course of 15 years was that right before covid that you got down to the two or three uh it was actually before covid yeah yeah i say steve can probably help me with that timeline a little bit but that's that's about what it seems like that's kind of how it was for us it's like right 2019 i think 150 people applied and that's just that's not normal when i when i tested 18 years ago it was 4,300 people I went up against, and all the all the departments decided to use the same test. So that's 4,300 spots, everyone picking from the same pool, and, and everyone wants to work for the city of North Las Vegas. I actually got an alternate spot with North Las Vegas, and the person who was ahead of me, she ended up taking the city of Las Vegas spot, which opened the door for me. So I got in as an alternate. It was great. Yeah. Nice. Hey, you know, that's a good recruiting tool is – uh, the department's working together to run one big process. Uh, I hadn't yeah. even considered that, but that uh, here and that, that's pretty awesome. I don't yeah, know. That's kind of yeah. how we do our testing now. Our testing is through the, what's it called? The Nevada testing network, or I have to look up the name, but basically you just go on, you take a test. It's all a general knowledge test. It's not fire related anymore. It's kind of like the military ASVAB test. Sure. And then if you get a certain score on that, um, We'll send you, and, and you basically say, I want to use this test for whatever department's in the Valley. So if you just want right. to work for the city of Las Vegas, that score will just get sent to the city of Las Vegas or just sent to North Las Vegas, or you can get it sent to all of them. And if you get a certain score, we send you interview questions online, pre-recorded interview questions. You 
basically record yourself answering those questions and th those go out to a bunch of firefighters on the floor. They score it. And if you score high enough, you get an in-person chief's interview. Wow, dude. It sounds stress-free. It, like, it sounds streamlined easy. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, our most strenuous part of our process is uh, getting through HR. So <laughs> like uh, filling out, they, they make this really complex application process. And mm -hmm. if anything's out of line, you could be the best, brightest young star. And uh, no thanks, you didn't check this box or something glitched out. Yeah, I love that it's uh, open. Yeah. Yeah. Also, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it's, it, and it's when the, 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 the five questions that we send you through a video, it's being rated by basically what's going to be their pair, peers. We'll, we'll have like 10 or 15 people review. We'll, we'll actually give them like five or six people. Mm -hmm. each and then they just go down the scorecard and it's it basically it's us we're we're deciding who's going to make it to the chief's interview and that's uh i would that was you just re re-hit on the point that i was going to make i thought i thought that was super cool how you put the how you you allow the people on the floor i guess as you call it but the, mm -hmm. the guys that ride the fire trucks you let them have input into who their colleagues are going to be mm -hmm. that's that's amazing that's that's yes, really cool yeah, it's not without fault, though, because some guys slip through that you're like, why did you give him that score? He can't even talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it happens. I get, yeah, it, it happens. Does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was the fifth one of the day, and I was kind of tired of listening to people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it. falling asleep with Tinder, and you just accidentally swipe yep. right a few times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So how much... It's kind of a pointy question. I don't know if you can give me statistics or not, but how much has the uptick in your social media, how much has that changed your recruitment? Huge. Is there a, okay. like a generic yeah. percentage you can put on it or is, do you know? I, I, yeah, I have, I have numbers. Um, Heard the that. year that I took over, so we, we've been opening our applications. We've been keeping the application period open for one year. This is the third year in a row that we've done it. The first year we did it, and it was right before I took over, we had 150 applicants. Once I took over the social media and we got the YouTube series out, because we filmed an academy like a reality show. We show people getting fired. We have 12 episodes from day one to the graduation day. Once we got that in, that one-year period, we had 750 applicants. Now, this June, we just reopened, it, uh, reopened the, the applications to stay open for a year. And we're at what? What is it? Three, four months now, since June. I can't do math yes, in my head. That's that's why I'm not an engineer. Uh, uh, we're at seven hundred. I think we're like seven hundred and twenty right now in the four month period. Mm. So my goal, I told the chief, if I can get us a thousand applicants for this one year period, I, that's like the goal that I've set for myself. Yeah, that's a hell of a goal too. Yeah, so I'm I'm assuming you're talking about your actual your your budget years, not your fiscal years. So you're talking budget years being July or end of June, July to the next June or July. So it's been different every time. It's it's, it's depending on how many academies we were going to have. Okay, so it's academy. Like, I'm yeah, with you. like Chief just okay. randomly said, "Hey, June till next June, we'll keep it open." I'd say you're well on your way, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And of that 750, that's just kind of who has put in the application. I think it pro it'll probably get narrowed down to like 500 who actually tested, and then maybe we'll interview 350. Still, dude, that's uh, going. Yeah, that's going from 150 applicants <clears throat> to 750. That's yeah. It's that's wild, man. What just, sort of filters are in place? Like, is it uh, open to? just adults or is there like you need to be certified in this or that or no and that's another thing why i think uh, with the fire chief we have in place right now uh you used to always look for the person who has the experience you know he's been on this long at this department right and i've never agreed with that i'd rather hire an 18 to 25 year old cabinet maker or a carpenter someone who knows how to get their hands dirty someone knows how to make them work and then we make the firefighter in the academy. You don't need experience. I mean, most academies are so good. They're so intense <clears> nowadays. <throat> you can make the firefighter. You don't need the experience. And the way our PER system works now, these guys have to work 30, 31 years, whereas my system, it's 27 years. So we want to get these guys really young now so they can still retire at that age of 50. We actually, the last class, we had three 19-year-olds graduate. 
Man, that's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah, that's that's is that I, I assume just because of that statement, y'all y'all are seeing it as well. Uh, the massive decline in just the kind of the blue collar skills that any youngsters have now, man. Yeah, yeah, Steve's you know he he's grown up in the treetops. He does tree work on the side, and he it's pretty sad we have to run special classes so Steve can go teach people how to crank chainsaws. It's like you know how do you yeah. not know that? Yeah. yeah, and with this generation, you can't just say hey, go cut that that limb off the right. tree. Now you have to say, hey, put your harness on, climb up the tree, left foot after right foot, and then pull out your saw, then cut the saw. I mean, you have to tell them everything step by step. Whereas like before, it's just like, hey, go do that. Okay, boss, done. Right. Or they could see somebody do it one time and then just click, just yeah. pick up on it and roll on and kind of understand everything. And it's, yeah, those days I'm afraid are over for a while. <laughs> they are. They are. Yeah, the attention span's not there. That's, again... It's like, if you think about how people would have recruited before, like how many, do you guys even have local TV anymore or do you stream everything? We do have local TV um, as but far as the numbers of, do I now? Do you, do you watch the local channels or do you just watch everything on Netflix, YouTube or whatever? Yeah, I, I haven't watched TV in yeah. years, like a long so how, time. If we spent the money to put a commercial on a local TV network, who's going to see it in the, in the demographic that we're looking for? Zero, 80, 70 yeah, no, nobody. are going to see that commercial. And there's no fire department that's going to spend the money put com commercial on, on a cable, right? That's going to be way too expensive to get that done. Right. So now we have this avenue where you can make a 15 to one minute video, either funny or serious for free. And these kids, that's all they know. That's all they know is this. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Um, so the, you mentioned, you mentioned your chief a little bit. How, how was this, was he the one that came up with the big social media push and the big, uh, new technology, new way, new way of information, delivering information? Was he kind of the one that came up with that push and was like, Hey Jake, I'm gonna need you to do this. Or is that something that you had to take to him? And then he just kind of. I want to hear the, kind of the conversation that happened because it seems odd for a chief. I mean, all the ones that we have talked to, you know, they're scared of what, you know, what may come out because of backlash and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that conversation went uh, back when all this massive uh, wave started for y'all. So uh, it was actually the previous PIO that retired, Nino Galloway. Um, great, great guy. Still, he's he was like the number one community worker in the entire valley for almost his entire career he's like we got to get seen and he did everything on his iphone he said chief we got to build this instagram page just to show basically i guess the way he explains it is right right left whereas we have to get so much good stuff out out there that when something bad happens to our department we have all these right hooks that we've been throwing saying look what we've been doing look what we've been doing and chief yeah. that was brilliant and, but the way he did everything was very raw. And the way, when I took over, I said, chief, I want to make, he, he built the foundation. Now I want to put the icing on the cake, basically. I want to make it look professional. I want to, I want to attract people visually. And I want to start with this Academy series. And he's like, I'm in, let's do it. Um, he never asked me ever, hey, let me see one of your videos. He just lets me post. And that's the thing. He, he, has, he has a trust in me to let me post. If there is something that I do post that's questionable, I'll run it by him, but those are few and far between. But yeah, he was just- I'm you use the word and trust. He's, I'm, I'm 40, almost 47 years old. My chief, I think he just turned 48 or, no, actually he's just turned 49 or 50. He, he just gets it. He, I don't know if he, he was always on his phone before. I don't, I don't know what, he, what his past was, but he just gets it. And then people call him from departments all over the country asking about us. And how do you think that makes him feel? He's like, boom, this makes me feel good. You're getting us Absolutely. out there. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And the fight is never with the fire chief or the, or the battalion chiefs. It's, it's usually with the city because the city has that corporate feel, you know, and they're trying to keep us in check to make sure we have that suit and tie look, whereas our chief's like, no, let's keep that grit, and we keep that grit. Yeah, that's, that's that's really cool. You want to say that statement again? That I'm not sure if he caught you. Yeah, the uh, the trust component of that, like uh, trust, is such a uh, hard thing to describe in the absence of it. But <laughs> if you've experienced trust or had had that gift, it's 
it's this thing. It's like a warm blanket. It just it makes you feel good. It gets good results. Um, and then in the absence of it, so far from productive. Yeah, I'm so glad you used that word. Yeah, it's it's been great. I, I only I only did one video that kind of got me in trouble and got him in trouble. And, and the way I used to do the media reports, you know, everyone just would type them up, send them to the media. Well, I'm like, what are we doing? I can change this game. Instead, I went on scene. I filmed all the B-roll. I came back and I would do um, a voiceover of the B-roll that I got and create my own news story. And that way I can control the narrative, right? I, you know, right. Yeah. I control everything. I don't have the media coming in and asking these crazy questions. And I would basically uh, edit it all in like an hour, put it on Twitter. All the news companies would pick it up and we'd be all over the news that night. It was brilliant. We had one call. And this, this is the thing I might have to call and have you take out later. But uh, <laughs> All right. a, a, guy locked him, a guy locked himself in the house, threatened him to kill himself because his wife just served him with divorce papers. Um, be, because he had a gun, the cops had to surround the house, and he lit the house on fire. And we can't just go in there knowing he has a gun. So I'm filming all this B-roll of the house burning down. The cops have their ARs all around. And um, uh, I'm filming them, but I'm also filming them on the bullhorn saying, we care about you, come out. We care about you, come out. So I thought if the media sees the cops, because, you know, cops are in, in that bad light. Hey, showing we care about you. We're trying to get this guy out of the house safely that we won't have the media say, hey, the fire department let this guy burn. The cops let this guy burn. So I made this entire video, showed it to the police chief, showed it to the police PIO, showed it to my chief. Everyone approved this video. They're like, this is awesome. You made us look great. I got a hold of it, and he's like, you made our city look like Beirut. I have to look at all your videos now. I'm like, what? Yeah, everyone else like gave us the A-OK on the video, including the police chief. And then the sees it and it's like, no, you made us look like Beirut. Dag, sounds like you should have missed that last <clears throat> little nick in the ladder yeah. and maybe just <laughs> launched that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I hate when that sort of thing happens, that uh, momentum and everything's going along good, and then there's like this, yeah, know, something so, in the time. Right. And so I don't do media reports like that, but that kind of changed the game. Like other fire chiefs were calling them up. Like, why don't we do media reports like that? No one's going to read it in the newspaper. No one's going to read it when you send it out. It's like, I have a video. I just showed us do, doing something really nice or really well. And they just put a scrap. They scrapped it. How, how important do you, how important do you believe that uh, departments across the nation have someone dedicated to recruiting and using the tools such as social media and stuff like that. How, where do you place that value? Is I it, would, if I had to put a number on it, I would, I would say the value right now with the fact that we have a limited workforce, we're a paramedic shortage. I would put more money into that than other parts in the fire department. I'd say I give it a 95, you need 95% of people have to put all this, all their effort into it. Because we don't have the applicants, we don't have paramedics right now. Do you guys run paramedics on all your rigs? You Just paramedics EMTs. In your department. Just EMTs. Just EMTs. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We have in the valley. We have to have a paramedic on every single rig, and there's a national shortage. And how else are we going to get them? We got other departments offering like thirty thousand dollars sign-on bonuses, whatever. They see our social media and they're like, hey, "I just want to come to you." But I mean. I don't know what age people started using these things, but for, for, for me, from 15 years old on, that's the demographic we want to get. Like, I'll go talk to high school kids, and there's no way we're going to hire these 15 or 16-year-olds. But if they drop out of college five years from now, I want them to have me in the back of their head saying, oh, maybe I can be a fireman. That kind of happened with me with the Air Force. I went and saw a recruiter when I was 14 years old. And <clears> when I wasn't doing good in school and a whole other side story, I remembered going to see that recruiter, and I went back to him and joined the Air Force and straightened myself up. Yeah, I've, I've, I've mentioned that several times uh, on the show when we have the recruitment conversation is, you know, here in our little town, we're, we're a college town. We have UNCW. It's a, it's a big, a big university. Uh, I mean, it's a beach town. We don't have a football team, but we got every other kind of athletic under the sun when it comes to this university. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of 
a time I'm going on 18 years now here, and I can't think of a time that I ever heard of a uh, a PIO or any kind of recruitment going into a high school or a college locker room and just or going to a, a, an, a an athletic team, a head coach, and saying, "Hey, can I get five minutes with these folks?" before practice today, you know, just to kind of see. And then, you know, just introducing the idea, you know, because it's what? It's uh, it's one out of, what, every, like, 300,000 college athletes actually goes pro. It's an astronomical mm-hmm. number. But those are kids that have ability already. They understand kind of the organized sports. They or- understand yeah, yeah. How, kind of, you know, how this thing works. Why are we not tapping into that market? I mean, that's yeah, right here yeah. at our back door. And that it's was just, actually – my fire chief actually said that to me, and he sent me to UNLV, and then we we did some event with the Aces, which is the uh, WNBA uh, females yeah. team or whatever, and we need females. We did a recruitment event with them because they're only making $75,000 a year. Our guys are making above that. It's like we have so much to offer them when their career ends. So, we've yeah, we've actually recruited with Aces. We've been to UNLV. And now we're going to high schools on purpose for the future of recruiting. That's incredible. A um, little fun fact here. You know who Michael Jordan is, right? I'm sure you do. Oh, I, I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, he, you know, Wilmington is the town he's from. And Laney High School is, uh, it's a college, I mean, a high school that's in mine and Steve's district. Uh, so, I mean, you got the one of the, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. His high school is in our little area here. I mean, how cool would that be? I mean, why can't you capitalize on that? And then, you know what I'm saying, use that as a a buzzword or a buzz phrase. And if you can get, you know, a a star football player from Laney High School, you know, where Michael Jordan went, and just spin that stuff, man. It just takes a little bit of brain power and a little bit of will and a little bit of trust. Like uh, Uh Steve said, you know, we describe trust as the currency in the fire service. That mm-hmm. I mean, that is that is what that is what makes the world go round is is trust. Instill a little trust in somebody and loosen the reins and let them work and yeah. see what happens. It's just a, it's, it seems like it's an unnecessary. It's not. Excuse me. It's not an unnecessary gamble. It's a necessary gamble. Like you have. To, I think we're approaching the point where we have to do something. I mean, if you're a fire, if you're a fire department, and you're not using these tools. Then, I mean, you're you're destined to fail. Yeah, and again, lucky with my fire chief, he took the leash off and just, hey, I trust you guys. Go, go recruit. Go do this. Go do that. He's not worried about all the. I don't know if you look good enough doing that. Oh, that flyer didn't look good, so we got to rearrange it. Like. It's just go let None of people that. do it. Yeah, you guys ever listen to Jocko Wilk? Uh, Willink. Oh yeah. Navy Seal. Oh yeah. He, read the books. I, I he read the books. Yeah. yeah oh yeah. <laughs> he, he was talking at a corporate event to these corporate people, and and he's like, "Do you think I tell my team what to do?" It's like, no, they already know what to do. Let them do it because they know it, and then I have more time to do other stuff. Whereas I think in other departments, like other ones in the valley, I won't say their names, but they're overwatching everybody. Let you train these people to do stuff. Let them do it. That's valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Mm. What is what? Why do you think that is? Why do you think they hold on to that? That not yeah. wanting to trust or what's your just what's your opinion? I don't want you to get in trouble by any means, but you know, no, what's your I, opinion I, actually, on that? I, 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 yeah, I don't think I can get in trouble for this. My <laughs> thing is everything is run. Everything is trying to make politicians look good. And everything is based off Twitter. And I've been saying this for years now. There's three, I think, three million people on Twitter. Maybe it could be a little bit more now. There's 300 300 million people in America. And everyone throughout the media, throughout fire departments, everything, they're all basing what they see on Twitter. Twitter is the smallest group. It's, It's the squeakiest mouse gets the cheese. That's what Twitter is to everybody. So they want to constantly look good on something that really doesn't matter. They're just trying to look good all the time based off of a small portion of the community. Whereas me, I'm going to post everything because I know that lar- larger portion wants to be part of us or, or be part of something. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah, total that, sense. That thing you um, touched on, the, uh, the overwatch, like uh, instead uh-huh. of just letting teams, like what Jocko said, like he, he just lets them, they know what to do, let them work. That's a national like you hear the same complaint throughout departments um, 
it's it's universal almost. It is there is there a way to understand it? I try all the time to understand uh I want to understand it so I can help to fix it. What what is it? What what is that part? What is the uh, overwatch or the need to micromanage? They're afraid of somebody making that department or that person look bad. So it's fear-based. Yeah. Yeah. It's all fear-based. They're, they're how am I going to do damage? If I let him do this, how do I do damage control now? Because everything's out in the open now. It's so easy to get that, that bad video put on the news or whatever. People worry about that too much. And that's, again, why you do so much good on your social media when something bad does happen, because we all have bad stuff happen in our fire department that we don't want to get seen. When that's it does right. happen, we've got all this good over here. So why the, the media would last five seconds on that bad story and then jump right back into all the public outreach that we're doing. Yeah, that's a that's strong. That's a that's a that's a hard argument to. Oh, that's a hard argument to beat, I guess you could say, uh, when you can flood it with so much good stuff that or so much positivity that the one little negative uh it, it seems like it almost just gets swept under the rug of positivity i guess you know yeah. is a good way to say it you can weather the storm right absolutely yeah. that's yeah. that's it and and the, the the storm that you're weathering is a media cycle and with the yeah. attention span of people now that's it's a day two days maybe what good have point. you um <laughs> what have you learned about social media through this whole process? There has to be some some learning things, and we can get specific on stuff, but what have you noticed? Uh, what style or type of video or quality of video or stuff like that, what do you see that, that hits the hardest? So for us, anytime we put like an actual incident on, whether it's good or bad, and when you do put the bad incidents on, on uh, social media, you got to make sure you do it tastefully or whatever. Like, sure, yeah. I, I'm I'm just going to show someone's legs going in the back of the ambulance, not their face. Obviously, people right. want to see that stuff. So I'll show the aftermath. I'll show the guys. Um, actually, we had one. This lady went up this giant berm. I don't know how she did it. Went up this berm on the highway, landed in a uh, drainage ravine, drove all the way down the r drainage ravine. I'll have to send you the video. Of this one. Into I remember a seeing the post. Yeah. Yeah. That that we've got millions of views on that. That one got us uh, four thousand followers. I had to shut the comments off, unfortunately, because yeah. <laughs> comments weren't so so nice. But uh, but yeah, stuff like that. Like people are always going to want to see what's real, and they they're always going to want to see what's fun. And that's actually that was a little selling point to my chief that I did have to have. He didn't want to continuously put humor on there, but I'm like, chief, this is people want to see us having fun and eventually he kind of got it so now i actually do put a lot more funny stuff on our page and he's like what you're doing is working so keep keep it going uh, but, <laughs> that's so, yeah that's so funny you say that but you know your weather Instagram. the storm yeah well, good. Your, uh, yeah your weather the storm analogy like you um you got you do all the positive so you can weather the negative humor is the positive that helps get through the negative like if you're in yeah. the fire service you're going to run a few calls that aren't fun and if everything else is also not fun where's the recruitment like where's the you're you're fishing in the wrong waters if you're not allowed yeah. to uh sprinkle some humor in there humors it makes the world go around absolutely it, it really it really does yeah and if you have the chief that buys in on that like ha that has a sense of humor then i think you're going to be all right but what else i learned with instagram is instagram they change that algorithm nonstop. And as soon as I figure something out where I'm getting followers, I'm getting the reach, they change something. So right now I'm, we're at 30,300 followers. We started at 15 when I, when I took over. We're at a standstill right now because Instagram changed their algorithm again. So everything's based on stories versus posts. Yeah. And I'm like, how do I tackle this now? So now I'm in the process of figuring out, you know, what stories do they want? Like, is it still the, I, I always did two posts a day and six stories a day or whatever. And I, that was a good thing where I had constant growth and then they changed the algorithm. I don't know like what's going on. And then they change it from a picture website to a video website to a real website. And now they want everything based off the stories. Hmm. So I'm still trying That's to figure crazy. this part out, but yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It's, an, it's a never changing game. Yeah. And 
since I started filming the way I do, like like very professional, I've noticed other departments have jumped on that bandwagon and doing it. But they're not growing. Like I'm looking at their followers. They had 800 followers. Now they have 805 followers, and it's been a year. So I, I just I, I don't I don't get all of it. But I do think the professional look that I put in it kind of helped out. Yeah, I, I guarantee it. Uh, and I'll 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 definitely second the uh, the humor comment. I mean, just in our social media, it's like the more funny stuff that we can put out, it's like the more gravity it has. Versus, you know, you post a, a clip like I mean, I'll clip this up and put it on social media posts for us. Uh, as far as our conversation goes, you know, just to promote the show and try to drive traffic to the show. But something serious that you may say that's like heartstring tugging and it's like you know ah you know it doesn't get a quarter of the traffic of the no, stupidest no. thing of a you know no. a raccoon coming out of a trash can yeah. or something right. you know what i'm saying it doesn't yeah. make sense <laughs> people's minds are hilarious they're just so twisted <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy and we are humor like when we're sitting at the kitchen table that's all we're doing is messing with each other why hide that agree agree yeah, absolutely Agree. Agree. What's, um, what's coming up for, I mean, you're just going to keep driving on or is there some, you got some projects in the works for, uh, Northern yeah, Las Academy, Vegas? What you got? So the Academy series that I've been filming, I just started season two. I got two episodes out for the new Academy that's going on right now. Um, that one, I'm trying to get 10 episodes out. Um, uh, I'd probably post them every two weeks, but we're, like I said, we're two episodes in, um, I really didn't post a lot on YouTube for a while, so I'm playing catch up right now, and I'm throwing a lot of funny shorts on there, trying to get the followers back or whatever. Because once I stopped the the uh, series last time, I, I'm trying to do them every other academy because it's a lot of work to do every academy. Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm filming probably four hours a day trying to get this content, and it's a pain sure. in the butt. I'm editing all all weekend, so I was like, Chief, I'm going to do every other um, every other academy, and now with this one. We're slowly getting our YouTube followers up, and the YouTube, believe it or not, like that, like I said, that series, that's what is mentioned in all the interviews. Did I lose you for a second? Yeah, okay. no, I, we're back. <coughs> I don't, I don't. But yeah, the, the, no big deal. Yeah, yeah whenever, whenever we do these video interviews, that's all they mention is that Academy series that I did. <laughs> Yeah, it's, and you, it's, you asked me about other departments too, real quick. I forgot to tell you this: uh, a department in California, their union president just called me up and said, "Hey, our chief finally bought into what you guys were doing, and he gave us a twenty or twenty-four thousand dollar budget a year to do your social media. Can I do a ride along with you so I see how you guys do it?" So people are catching on, and they're getting a budget. <laughs> we we don't have a budget for it. That's a smart thing to do: is send somebody to. Um uh, you're gonna have to change your phone number because that's gonna know, start right? ringing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna share your phone number in the show notes. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. There's no doubt that uh, the the TV series has been great. Um, it's, it's been fun to watch and fun to carry along. And uh, do you do all this stuff on your own? You said you were filming for up to you know four hours a day and this and that. Do you have a team or is it just you flying solo? Just me. I have one guy that uh, he'll post stories when I'm not posting stories. Um, uh, he, like if I'm on vacation or whatever, he'll take over the Instagram page while I'm on vacation. But I'd say 99% of it is all me filming, editing, coming up with the ideas, just everything. So basically the, the way I'm hearing it is, is your time now is basically in the PIO position is basically almost completely and strictly devoted to social media. Yeah. Oh, in the community, uh, public outreach as well, like going to the schools, like, and that's another thing I, we're working. We, I work 10 hour days. I do four tens and then I have Friday, Saturday and Sunday off. But most of the time I'm editing all weekend. Sure. Right. And the bots are really, I don't have any time off. Um, and then we do a ton of outreach events. We have this huge, uh, pink fire truck that we take till this month is my busiest month. So like I'll work eight hours every uh, every day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, taking this fire truck around to get signatures on it and everything like that. So public outreach is, is I'd say, 40% of my job, and then 60% is all social media now. That's, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's wild. That's yeah. wild. We've both 
um, have spent time in the editing process and learning the programs and that. So uh, we get it. We understand that it, it can be it can be maddening. Yeah, yeah. that's what, the way I film. Uh, you said you guys have Sony cameras, but the way I film the Academy, I, when I do my professional stuff for businesses on the side, I shoot and log, I color grade. It takes me hours just to get a certain yep. look. For the Academy, I put it on S-Log, um, Cinetone, and I just, that's it. I'm done. Right. I can't, I can't yeah. spend that much time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I've dabbled with it a little bit. I've done a few weddings and a couple other little events and stuff like that. Just having fun, family stuff, you know, just having fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is fun. Uh, but it is a, uh, nobody has any idea. If you've never done it, you don't have a clue. Mm -hmm. You don't have any idea what it takes. You know, when you see yeah. these little final products on YouTube or whatever it is, you know, a three minute, a three minute video on YouTube that took, <laughs> you know, 16 hours, hours of, yeah. of filming hours and then 24 to 48 hours of editing and mm -hmm. nobody has any idea <laughs> they don't have a clue what, i have other training people come up to me like hey can you film this video can you do this and i'm like no like they think <laughs> just if they think it's just pointing the camera i was like right. no, like i'm coming in i have to have four hours to film it and it's another eight hours to to edit what you want and like well mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be perfect I'm like yeah even if it's not perfect it still takes quite a bit of time but if I don't put something that's perfect out, that's my name's on it. Right. Right. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Speaking to your name, let's get away from the fire department real quick and tell me about, I don't know if you're ready to come out with it yet, but tell me about this podcast you got coming up. What do you think about doing, man? So PTSD is huge in the fire service. The Absolutely. One of the departments south of us right now, I think they've had four to five suicides the last um, five years, I think. It's, hmm. it's, it's been pretty bad. And then with uh, October 1 that happened here, one of uh, my best friends was in the first row of that. He's got severe PTSD from it. And I was just thinking, like, why not start a podcast called Responders First where we can bring people on just to talk about their stories? I've heard, I heard this on a podcast before. It was a, a military guy who turned into to became a firefighter, and it just made so much sense. People in the military, usually a four-year enlistment, they see horrible things for that four years. Firefighters are going to see that same stuff minus people shooting at you for 30 years. And we never talk about firefighter PTSD. Like, they want to hide it. They don't, because, like, you know, the workman's comp doesn't want to pay for that stuff. Right. So I think giving these people a platform, and um, my chief is actually very very strong proponent of PTSD training and everything. And he's like, yeah, we got to do whatever we can to keep these guys right. So why not give them that platform so they can say, hey, look, this did happen to me. I can do this. And if nobody else comes, wants to come on the show and say something, they, all, they now know someone else is going through the same thing. So I don't know. Just giving people an outlet to talk, I think, is amazing. And when I heard that, that that guy used that military analogy, I was like, that blew me away. It's like you're right. And uh, one of our recruits now, he was he's a Marine. He told me right. Uh, I pulled he pulled me aside because my brother was a Marine. He had severe PTSD. He came back um, a cutter, cutting his arms and everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he pocket dialed me one time, and him and his other guy that just got back, they were doing cocaine, I heard 15 minutes of a conversation that I can, I can never unhear of the stuff that they went through. And I was like, are you kidding me? So when we have a PTSD talk with the new recruit saying how important it is to find help, talk to people, we have these outlets. Um, I brought, I always bring up my brother in that situation because people, they, he has to understand that, hey, it, hap it can happen to the best of us. So he actually pulled me aside and goes, when you told me that story, I'm battling it right now. And you just made me feel better knowing that there are other people that are going through the same same things that your brother has been through. I'm going through that, and I'm glad that this department is putting their foot forward that to, you know to help us with it. So, yeah, that's super cool. That's um, one of the driving one of the. <laughs> I'm not say the biggest, but it was one of the one of the biggest driving motives for even why we started this this uh this show to begin with was the to, to kind of forward this conversation when it comes to mental health and you know battling ptsd and all that i hate the word i hate the acronym ptsd yeah. i hate yeah. the disorder side of any of it because this is just my opinion i don't i don't know i don't view it in our industry as a disorder 
I think it's almost inherently part of the territory. So post-traumatic stress. I think that's yeah. like an inherent part of what it is that we do. Obviously, different people handle it differently. And for some folks, it might not be a disorder at all. It may only last two or three weeks, and they may be able to function perfectly fine for the rest of their life and never remember it, never have any issue with it. So I, I hate the, the the D on the end is what is no, my sticking I, point, uh, but I understand that that's part of what it has to be for a clinical diagnosis, and it all came from the military side of it. That all right. makes sense. My my brother in law is a uh, is a retired marine. He shares a lot of the seems like a lot of the same stories. He was a career marine, um, and he battled with severe PTSD and all that as well. Um, so yeah, I can relate to that to that example very well. Um, but yeah, just to echo you, the the military, and he's even told told me this that you know he he doesn't understand. This is my brother in law speaking to me. He's like, I don't understand how you know firefighters and paramedics and cops can even come close. He was like, Yes, yeah, I've seen some bad stuff, but that was a period of you know off and on eight to nine months at a time, and then I'd come home and I'd have you know twelve to twenty four months or whatever of just kind of you know, debriefing, laughing, joking and all that. And then maybe we go back, maybe we see it again. He was like, you guys don't get a break at all. It's like no. you go to work, no matter what your schedule is, okay, you go to work. Even if you don't see it, it's just being back in the environment that you can't cut off. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it just seems like it's so easy for us to resurface it versus uh, versus the military, but yet it's it's such a stigma in our in our in our industry uh, you know, when I started in this career, you know, in 2005, I mean, one of my biggest mentors on the few worst calls that I ever went on, he was like, you shove that shit down and we don't talk about it. And that's the way it is. That's this job. That's what he knew. You know, that's, that was, that was the, the, that was the method of dealing with bad calls. Yeah. You shove it down. You don't talk about it. You still got a job to do. You can cry later if that's what you want to do, but don't let anybody see it. And, I mean, yeah. I don't fault him. Uh, turns that's out he ended knows. up committing suicide himself. Uh, one of my best friends. Yeah, it's, it was an awful situation, but, you know, that's all he knew is you just shove it down and that's it. That's that's the way you deal with it. So, yeah, um, I, I welcome you to start your podcast as soon as possible because it's uh, the more people that we can have – uh, we we always say this: the more you normalize the conversation around it, that's how it gets better. When it becomes right. not yeah. such a bad thing to talk about, it's normal. You said y'all talk it about it to cool. your recruits. I've never heard of that. I don't I don't think we do it here to ours. But I mean, that's a that's a great thing to confront them up front to let them know what it is that they may be walking into. Um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's wonderful and. We'll do anything we can to help that help that process along for you. It's an important, very very important <clears throat> topic that um, that we we definitely get behind that whole message a hundred percent. We talk about it a lot on the show, and I'll send you a uh, I'll send you a couple shows to listen to. You know, when you get spare time, if you ever have that, Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, some past interviews that we've had that I'm sure I'm sure you can pick up on and and relate to quite a bit. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah early, early. Yeah, not everyone has the kitchen table like we do. Oh, I'm sorry. That's yes. the truth. Yeah, yeah. We. That's what this whole setup was uh, geared around was bringing that kitchen, kitchen table, table into the studio. Yeah. yeah, there's so much magic that happens in the kitchen of really any firehouse. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to explain. We we talk about it all the time. I try to bring it up in my recruitment talks about how it's a whole nother family in that kitchen table. Like we solved the world's problem, and we're all morons <laughs> you know we think yeah. we're the smartest people in the world solving every problem and you know really i just pick things up and put things down that's my job yeah <laughs> one of the uh it's a funny little story one of the one of the funniest times uh, i can remember in the firehouse uh, we had a, a student from uncw a film student and he came to the he came to the station one day and asked if he could do his big uh, senior project, which was a big video and all that stuff. But he wanted to do the fire service as his big senior project. 
So, you know, he went through the hoops, got it okay with the chief and all that, and he, he chose our firehouse, which, I, I mean, I thought was an awful idea, but yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, he chose our firehouse, and it was every day for, you know, a two-week span or something like that. You'd walk into a room, and there'd be, you know, a, a whatever, a recorder or a camera set up at it, you know, getting B-roll and background sounds and all this kind of stuff. So he sent us all this raw footage. He would cut the what he claimed is the interesting parts out of it and the, the the stuff around the kitchen table that he would have a recorder sitting on top of the coffee pot or something like that dude it was just, <laughs> it was incredible and it was like if this got out we would all be fired we'd, immediately we'd be, fired, be in jail yep. <laughs> we'd be divorced we'd be everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was incredible yeah but there's something magical about that safe space for sure there really Big is time. Well, Jake, man, we appreciate so much you spending your time with us this evening. Uh, I'm glad we got this put put together. I, I was worried to death about the the time, the three hour uh, window there. We we haven't done an evening show for us in I don't know, probably almost a year. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's oh, been wow. a long time. That's how we started uh, was doing evening shows, but that was weighing in really hard on the family life and all that. So we cut it back I'm and just sure. started doing mornings. Um, which has worked out great. And I was like, Steve, there ain't no way we can have this guy on at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning. And I was like, that'd be the middle of the night for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you guys working your schedule around me too. So that, that, that's great. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Um, there's something we can do for you in the future. We're still learning and watching. Uh-oh. Uh, we're learning and watching off of, you know, everything that you're putting out. It's incredible. It's in ridiculously inspiring mm-hmm. um, to see what you're, what you're putting out for your fire department and how y'all are using social media to recruit. Um, yeah, this is, this is going to be a big issue, a big episode that uh, will encourage every fire chief in the nation to listen to because it's, it's super important, man. I, yeah, I, I agree. And I appreciate that. Setting the bar. Absolutely, man. Yep. Steve, you got anything, brother? No. Hey, thanks a lot for your time. This was, this was great. I, uh, I enjoyed uh, your Instagram page, uh, like Hoffman said, it's inspiring. It's nice. So, well, you know our yeah. applications are open right now, so. Shoo, bro, that's quite a haul. <laughs> quite a haul. Yeah, that commute. Quite a haul, uh, for sure. The Cessna fired up. <laughs> for sure, hey, for know, sure. I'm not, a, I'm not against flying out and helping anybody out, to, like flying out to help your department out, getting them the right cameras, the right microphones, you know, little little uh talk on how to get stuff going i'm not against any of that too so if you guys ever need any help and even to come out there let me know yeah that'll be the part you call and say cut out yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah let's definitely cut that one out that's what you guys <laughs> uh, no, for real jake well, it's been a pleasure brother uh yeah. we'll be in touch man for sure and uh yeah god bless man yeah god thanks bless you too have a good one all, all right, right brother be good